Open your Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Corinthians. We'll read there in chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, so glad for those of you who are joining us online. And if you'll kind of, if you're joining us online, if you'll kind of lean in and put aside any distractions and really focus on what God wants to say to you, that's always a helpful way to do it. And if you're here in person, we're glad to have you. Uh, only for your body heat. We're glad to have you, but we're glad to have you otherwise as well. And it's a great privilege to worship together. I want us to look as we work our way through this book of the Bible. I want us to talk this morning on why we give. And anytime we talk about uh, giving, I think there's some nervousness uh, in people who are listening. And so let me just mention three things kind of as we start. First, of course, we'd love for you to give to the ministries of First Baptist O'Fallon. We believe in the church, the ministries, and the responsibilities God's given us here. We'd love to have more people who will, who will tithe, who will give generously to the work of God here. Give to God, but through the church, we will love that. Secondly, we're going to love you whether you do or not. We're not our love's not for sale. We're going to love you if you give or don't give. That's not the determining factor for, for love, of course. And um, we're always going to encourage people to do the right thing and follow God's way, but we're going to love people no matter what they do. And then uh, number three, we, you, you can't teach the Bible without teaching on giving. You, you just can't. And so when we go through, I often preach through books of the Bible, and when we look at books of the Bible like this, sometimes you come across passages that deal with giving. The Bible talks often about the subject, actually, and it does it for a reason, because we benefit from it. And so if, we, if I didn't ever teach on giving, I wouldn't be teaching the full counsel of God or teaching what the Bible teaches us. And so I'm glad that we can teach the Bible. I, I love it. I know it's done in my life, and so I always love teaching, but I wanted to kind of set your mind at ease about that. So let's talk about why we give, and we're going to read in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. Let me kind of set the context. Remember that the churches, the church at Corinth is being asked by Paul. In fact, they've already committed to help give to the church, to the need of the church in Jerusalem. Jerusalem's going through a very difficult time. It's a time of famine and problems. And the church at Corinth and the churches of Macedonia, other areas, are giving to help in this time of need. And so they're giving kind of a, we might say, above and beyond to help in a time of need. And so uh, let's pick up the story now in chapter 9, verse 1. The Bible says, Now concerning the ministry to the saints, it is unnecessary for me to write to you. For I know your eagerness, and I boast about you to the Macedonians. Achaia has been ready since last year. And your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you in this matter would not prove empty and so that you would be ready, just as I said. Otherwise, if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, would be put to shame in that situation. Therefore, I consider it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance the generous gift you promised so that, it, so that it will be ready as a gift and not as an extortion. So let's talk about why we give. And I really have two principles I'd like you to note. And if you're a note taker, in fact, I'm going to encourage you to write these down. Even if you're not normally, it'll help you to follow. If you're at home, you can write these down. Two principles about why we give or why we can give. Number one, we can give because we want to give. Now, that'll sound odd to some of you because wanting to give sounds like such an unusual thing. But we can give because we want to give. The church at Corinth, we cannot help but notice this, the church at Corinth apparently wanted to give. The churches in Macedonia wanted to give. Paul himself 
wanted to give. Doesn't that sound odd? Why? Why did they want to give? This is a God thing. It's not a, it's not a cultural thing to give easily. It's certainly not a church in Corinth giving to the church in Jerusalem. The churches in Macedonia, Macedon, giving all the way, sending the money all the way to the church and to people in need in Jerusalem. That would not be a cultural thing. It wasn't the kind of like personal self-care sort of thing because it's more natural for us to think of ourselves, not to think of someone else. This is a God thing. It is evidence that the church the people at Corinth who had come to know Christ as Savior had been changed by the power of the gospel, so much so that it even changed what they wanted to do. It even changed what they wanted to do. Now, I gave all of my, I've given all of my life, if you don't know kind of my story, all of my life I've given to God through the church. I've done that all of my life. But I will tell you, for a long time, I gave really out of responsibility more than out of a desire to give. And I, I'm not like sad that I gave out of responsibility. Responsibility is not a bad thing. I'm glad I wanted to do the right thing, even if my motives weren't exactly what God wanted me to get to. It's good to do the right thing. And eventually, though, God began to work on the motives behind that and to help me to give because I wanted to give. And that was not an easy thing really to get to from a personality standpoint for me. That's not my, wouldn't be my natural personality not from a cultural standpoint that would be there's not very much in the culture that would push me that way but God in heaven began to do a work in me and it's evidence of God's work in me and sometimes you really know more about yourself by by what you see on your calendar and what you see on your in your checkbook if you still have a checkbook or what you see and how you use your talents those things tell you more about yourself than just what you kind of think or what you may say to others and the churches at Macedonia, at Macedonia, the person of Paul, and the church at Corinth wanted to give. And so let's note three reasons, three things they, ways they viewed giving that helped them to, to want to give. Number one, we can see giving as a ministry. That's how the church at Corinth saw it. The Bible says, Paul says in verse one, now concerning the ministry to the saints. And when he's talking about the ministry to the saints, in context here, he's obviously talking about their giving. And he calls it a ministry. He doesn't call it, he doesn't just say, now concerning giving, he says concerning the ministry. Ministry are those activities done by the church to fulfill the mission of the church. The activities done by Christians to fulfill the mission of the Christian. So we have lots of ministries in our church they're means by which we fulfill the mission of the church. They're the response to the message of the gospel. So this was not just about money. Paul's not talking to them just about money. He's talking to them about ministry. That's a bigger subject. He's talking to them about the message of the gospel. He's talking to them about the mission they have. And somewhere along the way, the church at Corinth apparently began to see giving as a ministry. And Paul describes it that way here in verse 1, concerning the ministry to the saints. We talk often in our church about five purposes of the church. We say our church exists to glorify God. That's why Christians, that's why we gather. That's why we are saved. That's why we live. We are to glorify God. And we do, it, we do that in five ways. We Evangelism and discipleship and fellowship and worship and ministry these are ways that we glorify god and the church 
at Corinth was called to see this as a ministry, to see giving as a ministry, as a means by which they were fulfilling the greater purpose that God had for them. And we also say in our church often that ministry is for everyone. It's for everyone. It's been a terrible reality that many in the Western world, in particular, many Christians have seen ministry as that's like we pay someone to do that. So there's these weird people that we pay missionaries and pastors and we pay those weird people to do ministry on our behalf. When in reality, the truth is that, that really all of us weird people, to, I mean, believe me, there's some weirdness out there. I right? just, I'm telling you, there's all of us people, all of us who name the name of Christ, we're all involved in ministry. We don't pay someone else to do it for us. Like, I'm glad we can support people who are doing ministry, of course, but every person who names the name of Christ is to be involved in ministry. We use our talents, our spiritual gifts, our treasure, our time for the glory of God. We all have ministry. It's, my ministry is different than yours and yours is different than mine, but all of us have ministry to be a part of. It's the response to the mission and the message that God has given to us. Years ago, I read a, a book um, called the boys in the boat, I think it was, the boys in the boat. And it's a story about these guys who became Olympians, and they were in the 1936 Olympic Games in Berlin, and these guys from the United States won the gold medal against the heavily favored Germans at a time of great tension in, in those Olympic Games and in our world. And they were in a part of an eight-man uh, like crew, I wrote it down, so an eight-oar crew team, eight-oar crew team, so there's eight guys you know, with oars rowing, and they won the gold medal. And they had, I mean, I just, the story was about all that they went through, all the sacrifice, all the effort, all the work. They had to learn to work together. Unity really does matter. They had to learn the right methods, the, the means by which they could get the most power, the most efficiency. They had to strain their muscles. They sacrificed. They worked hard. And they, then the story told about how they won the gold medal. Now, can I just tell you, it's a really an analogy, an analogy for us in ministry in some ways. And there are many who are straining at the oars. In our own church, there are many who are, I mean, they are serving the Lord as best they can. They give faithfully. Many in our church who tithe, who go beyond, who give faithfully, who use their talents for God's glory, who use their spiritual giftedness in some way to bless others, who who teach, who care, who love, who share the gospel in their workplace, who try to be a light in this dark world, who try to make a difference for God's glory, who are looking for opportunities to serve and give and sacrifice. There are many like that in our church, and they are straining at the oars. And we ought to be thankful for people like this who are willing to sacrifice and to care and to serve and who... But at the same time, it is the reality of the Western world especially, but really all believers are, we bring our baggage with us if we're not careful, our past, our brokenness, and even though the Lord forgives us of sin, there's a tendency to sometimes bring that with us. And so there are many people who name the name of Christ, who are in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, who kind of have their oars out of the water, and they're just watching as other people serve, many people. In the Western world, see Christianity is sort of a. I observe someone else who is ministering on my behalf. I observe, I note what they do or don't do, 
I, I make my observations maybe known to others. I talk about what they do or how I kind of analyze, but I watch. That's what Christianity is for me. I watch. It's not me in ministry. I watch those weird people who are paying to minister on our behalf. At, or even worse, they drop their oars into the water or row even actively against even those who name the name of Christ. And live in such a way that was sort of embarrassed when other people find out they're believers because of how they live or how they talk or how they act or what they say. And man, if we ever all together strained at the oars, if we ever in unity worked for the purposes of God, if we ever got together on the message and the mission of the Lord himself, what a powerful force the the church of the Lord Jesus is. And the church at Corinth saw giving as a ministry, and I want you to see it that way. We say we give to God, we give through our church, but we give to God. And we see this as a means by which we are involved in ministry and service. Now concerning the ministry, there's a second thing I want you to see. Not only can we see giving as a ministry, we can see giving as a passion. And it's even more surprising the kind of language that Paul uses here about the church in Corinth and how they gave. The Bible says, I know your eagerness they were eager to give not just giving not just out of responsibility though as we said that's not a bad word but it's more than that they were eagerness and Paul says I know about your eagerness he had experienced that he says in verse 2 your zeal has stirred up most of them he's talking about the churches of Macedonia who have said Achaia that's another uh, word for the region of Corinth Achaia has been ready since last year and your zeal has stirred up most of them so here's a church who is passionate about giving, eager, zealous. That is a very unusual way to see giving. We are more prone to see giving if we see it at all as something we are supposed to do or have to do. Our responsibility, like I saw it so much in my life, as opposed to eagerness and zealousness and a passion for it. I watched some football yesterday with, with uh, Vicky. And I say with Vicky, but Vicky didn't care about it very deeply. She didn't. I found her often. She was reading a book while the game was on in the background. She didn't care that I watched it some. She, I mean, she wasn't against it. She wasn't like as like as bad. She just there was no. She wasn't passionate about the game. She wasn't like. I mean, if she's reading a book, she's obviously not following it carefully. Isn't it true that there are many in our society many many even in the christian church who would say man i mean i'm not against ministry or against giving or against serving or against using your talents for the glory of god or against using the spiritual gifts god has i'm just it's just not very passionate about it i mean i'm not really i, I wouldn't call it eager it's not like i wake up i'm eager to go to church i mean uh, sure there's some responsibility I'm not very zealous about the things of god i mean i don't want to get you know accused of being kind of crazy or something or one of those Jesus freaks or something. I don't want to get too zealous about it. Giving is a passion. That just sounds sort of odd to us. And a part of that is because we live in a society that has become so materialistic that we think we see money as something we have for us and it's all about us and what can we give. And the churches at Macedonia and Corinth and in that early church realm, they saw, they saw giving as a passion. There was an eagerness and a zealousness that May I say, could we capture some of that in our heart? 
And then number three, we can see giving as a testimony. As a testimony. Verse two says, uh, your eagerness and the boasting I made about you to Macedonia, about how Achaia, your region, has been ready since last year, that, has, that zeal has stirred up most of them. Your testimony had an effect. We saw earlier in these chapters how the churches at Macedonia, Philippi and others, those churches in Macedonia, how they uh, gave out of their poverty and what a testimony that was to the church at Corinth and to others and to us. Sometimes we just need a testimony. I mean, I'm thankful for the truth of God's word. Sometimes I just need to see it lived out. I need to see somebody who loves to serve. I need to see somebody who loves to give. I need to see somebody who looks at these issues in a way that's different than the culture because the culture is always teaching me something. It's always showing me something and often going the wrong direction. And so while I know the truth, I can hear the truth, I can see the truth, I can read the truth, sometimes I just need to see it lived out in a person's life. And Paul's saying, man, your testimony, Corinth, is powerful. Your testimony will carry long-range dividends. We need a testimony. This weekend is a Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, and we are reminded through this life and through the message of MLK of how we should judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Can I just remind you the answer to racial division is not politics. Often politics is sort of what feeds it, the problems, and they just say frankly. But the Lord himself makes us one in Christ. The Lord himself puts us together in the same family. The Lord himself is the means by which we overcome. And it's good once in a while to have a testimony of someone who's pointing that out to us. This is a Sanctity of Life Sunday. We are reminded through this day that life has value, inherent value, that we are created in the image of God, that life has value, and that we ought to value the, the most fragile and frail, the most vulnerable from the unborn through life. We ought to see how valuable it is. And sometimes we need a testimony of someone who lives that out. My wife and I are in a, just beginning our 41st year of marriage, 41st year of consecutively <laughs> and to each other I should point these both out both of those things out and so we can be a testimony to the value of marriage and going through difficulties and struggles can I just tell you too Vicky and I are just we don't always see things the same we don't see football the same way you know we don't, there's lots of things her personality and my personality are different one of the things I love about my wife is she is different than me and one of the things I struggle with is she is different than me and those things can, we know what it's like to fuss and disagree and have to work hard at marriage. We can give a testimony that hard work in marriage pays long range. That love is not a feeling, but a commitment. And then that commitment can lead to such deep feelings in the long run that you can love someone far more after 40 years than you did in the first days of dating and marriage and I, I can give testimony to that and what god has done in my life is to put some people in my life who help me to see giving from god's perspective instead of just the world's perspective to see it as something beyond just responsibility though that's a good starting place to a privilege to an eagerness to a zealousness for giving and i need some people in my life like that and the bible is saying the 
church at Corinth serves that for us. The churches in Macedonia, out of their extreme poverty, and mixed it with extreme generosity. We need some examples like that in our lives. We can give because we want to give. And maybe you're like me, you're at that, I give because I'm supposed to give, and I give because I ought to give. And, but I want you to see that you can give because you want to give. You can see it as a ministry, and you can, it can become for you a passion, and you can use it as a testimony, and God will bless all of those things. This can be for you a God-themed. Why would the church want to give? Because, they, because of God, and He's working their lives. There's a second principle now I want you to get with me about why we give, why we can give. Number two, we can give because we prepare to give. Not only because we want to give, but we can give because we prepare to give. And verses 3, 4, and 5 really talk to us about the preparation of the church at Corinth to give. Verse 3 says, I'm sending the brothers so that our boasting about you in this matter would not prove empty, and so that you would be ready, just as I said, so that you would be ready. They are preparing, Paul is talking to them about preparing to give. Not just wanting to give, but making preparation to give. Verse 4, otherwise if any Macedonians came with me and found you unprepared, Paul's talking about being prepared to give. He says, we don't want to find you unprepared to give. Don't put yourself in this situation where the Macedonians come and, and you would be put to shame in this situation. No, you prepare to give. Don't be unprepared. Verse 5, Therefore, I consider it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you. That is the people we talked about last week who were going on ahead to encourage them and help them prepare. And arrange, verse 5, and arrange in advance the generous gift you promised. That's preparation. They are arranging in advance. So we can give not only because we want to give, but we can give because we prepare to give. And so I want to mention three ways that we do this. Number one, we can prioritize our resources. Somewhere along the way, the church of Corinth said, I'm going to make a priority in giving. This is not going to be just like a whatever's left over. Certainly it wasn't that way with the churches of Macedonia because the Bible says they were in extreme poverty and still they gave. They made a priority of giving. They prioritized the resources in such a way that they gave even though it wasn't easy or common or normal. They had to sacrifice. They had to prepare they had to arrange in advance so that they could give. Early in our marriage, Vicki and I faced some time of, of uh, poverty, and we look back on that now with some thankfulness. It was difficult. We didn't have um, much. I was continuing to go to school, and God called us to a uh, ministry that was just resulted in some having very little. And all, during that whole time, we just had a we had to remind ourselves about what really mattered, what were the priorities. And we said, we're going to make a priority, giving is going to be a priority for us. And so we had to change the way we thought about things. We did not go out to eat very often at all. It was a very rare thing for us to go out to eat. We like to go out to eat. We love for someone else to cook our food. And even greater than that, for someone else to clean it up. That is a great thing. I love that other people will do that. But we didn't do it very often. We had to be very careful about what we bought. For a long period of time we had to change the way we thought about purchases listen in a materialistic society that says your value is based on what you have we had to decide we're not going to have what some people have what we could have if we didn't give we had to rearrange priorities we would not trade that for anything in the world because of the lessons that were taught 
and we are reminded. So giving, we say, it's not, it's not going to be just the leftovers and what's easy, but we're going to make this a priority in life. And I'm thankful that we did. I often use this illustration about priorities that I, I just found so helpful for me. It's the picture of a, a filling a container with rocks, bigger rocks and pebbles and sand. And if you start with the sand and then put the pebbles in and then try to put the big rocks in, you can't do it. But if you start with the big rocks and then the smaller pebbles, and then you can kind of get the sand to work its way down and you can fill the container. Well, for many, their life is filled with sand. And they just start there. And so they end up prioritizing the small things in life. And if you were to say to them, what's your priorities in life? And they'd say, well, it's this, this, and this. All right, let's, let's look at your checkbook. Let's look at your calendar. Let's look at your, let's look at your energy. Let's look at what you're thinking about, what you're talking about. What... Because very often the people, the very things that we say are priorities are so down, far down the line. And we're unprepared because we've filled our lives with sand the church at corinth the churches at macedonia paul himself said well, i'm going to prioritize the things that ought to be prioritized i'm going to seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and then all these things will be added but i'm not going to i'm not going to forget about what matters most i'm going to seek first what matters most we can prioritize our resources number two in preparing to give we can act on our intentions we can act on our intentions. Paul says, I want you to be ready. I don't want to find you unprepared. I want you to arrange in advance. He's talking about acting here, not just intending or not just hoping, but he's talking about action. Be ready. Don't be found unprepared. Arrange in advance. He's talking about action. If you were here last week, we talked about going from good intentions to right actions. We talk about how easy it is for us to miss this. That obedience to God is not just intending someday to obey him, but it's about right actions. That we are to be doers of the word and not hearers only. We talked last week about how obedience is present tense and not future tense. We can't obey the Lord in the future tense. We obey him in the present tense. That is, you can't say, well, someday I'll trust Christ as Savior. You trust Christ as Savior in the present tense, in a this day. So perhaps some of you need to trust Christ as Savior, and you've said, someday I will. Well, this day is a present tense activity. This day you can trust Him. Someday you've said, I'll serve Him. Someday I'll live for Him. Someday I'll obey Him. Someday I'll seek His will. Someday I'll do what He wants. You can't in the someday. You can only obey in the present tense in the present tense and the bible says here in verse five i consider it therefore as a result of all that all that's gone before your eagerness your plans your your intentions therefore i consider it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you that is these brothers some of them unnamed who are going to go uh, to help them prepare and arrange in advance the generous gift you promised you made a promise church let's go beyond promise let's go beyond intention so that it will be ready as a gift and not as an extortion. Beyond intention into action. Beyond someday to present tense. So let's talk for a moment about the danger of procrastination. The only thing you can't, you can't put procrastination off, can you? It's always, it's, it's easy. It stays. Some of you know the world well. And you're, 
it's really often about good intentions and some days. But procrastination is a terrible enemy to us. When I was in school, I, in my early years, I was always in small towns. I never had, um, never had honors classes or anything. Academics always kind of came uh, easily to me. And so I just, I just, man, I was last second. I would study for a test if I did, last second. I'd write a paper, last second. And I was competing, in a sense, for grades against, got some, against uh, other football players who were just ter- often terrible students. I felt like I could do just, and I could do okay. And I could wing it, and I was all right. And then I went off to college. It was a really serious academic college. And um, a lot of my friends there had taken all kinds of honors classes and learned study habits that I'd never dreamed of and gone to prep schools and things like that. And I found myself, uh, just, it was harder. It was harder for me. Some of you students know what this is like to put things off. I, I, it's a common thing. Wait till the last second. And I was doing what I'd always done. And I realized after a while, if I, if I continue to procrastinate, I will never be the kind of student that could be. I'll struggle. I'll, I won't be as effective or productive. And I had to begin to learn that lesson of no, don't put it off, don't wait, work in advance. Listen, that serves you well. It serves you well. Tomorrow I will do a little bit of study for the next week's sermon. I'm not, I don't, on, on Monday, I, I know I need to do a little bit of work for the next Sunday. I don't want to just procrastinate. I don't want to just wing it. Can I say some of you have procrastinated with the things of God for so long, and it seems so easy and natural, and at some point, if you're ever going to be what God wants you to be, what deep inside you intend to be, you're going to, you're going to have to say, God, all right, I'm, that's not someday. Not someday, not, you know, when it's convenient. But this day, not just good intentions, but I want to turn it into action. And I'm not going to say, in effect, when we say, God, I'm, I'm going to obey you later. We're saying, in effect, God, I'm going to disobey you right now. I'm planning to obey you later, but I'm going to disobey you right now. It doesn't sound as attractive when you put it that way, does it? And so the Bible's telling us we can give because we prepare to give as we prioritize our resources, as we act on our attentions. And number three, we can choose to give freely and generously. That sounds so incredible that we can choose to give freely and generously, but that can become us. The Bible says, I want you to arrange in advance a generous gift you promised so that it will be ready as a gift and not as an extortion. The church at Corinth could give freely and they could give generously, not extortion. Listen, even as a church, we don't give, like we're not... um, we're not going to give out of extortion. We're not going to extort people to give. We're not the Godfather Baptist Church. I'm going to make uh, them an offer they can't refuse, right? We're not that. We're not going to extort people to give. You have to give. He said, give freely and generously. It's not taxation, right? We don't have people give out of taxes. Maybe you like to pay taxes. And if you do, you're in the right place. This is the right state for you. I mean, taxes. <laughs> I'd like to have some fellow taxpayers here. Well, good for you. But we're not taxing people here. We're not saying, hey, you, you come here, you have to give. Not manipulation. You give, and boy, you're going to get this special little benefit from you. It's not that. Freely and generously. The Bible says it will be a generous gift, just as you promised, a generous gift. 
we don't, we just give to our grandkids any opportunity we have, you know, any birthday or special holiday or event. We don't get anything back from them. They don't have to pay us back or return. We, just, we love, we give out of our heart, out of our desire and love for them. God in heaven, can I just tell you, God in heaven has given to us. God loved us in that way. He gave his only begotten son for us. And we give in response to our love to him. So that the day can come when we don't just give out of responsibility, but we can want to give. When we give because we prepare to give, because we've prioritized and we've gone beyond intentions and we can learn to give freely and generously. And just like the church at Corinth, this is a God thing. Our culture doesn't lead us to do this. Our personality often doesn't lead us to do this. But God changes how we think and how we look. And that's why we give. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. And as we, as we pray, maybe you need to trust Christ as Savior. I, I know I haven't talked specifically about that much today. But God loved you so much. He sent his son Jesus to live for you and die for you. And Would you trust Christ as Savior? If God's convicting you of sin and your need for the Lord, just turn from sin and give your life to Christ. Christ will save you today. Not just someday. He'll save you if you'll give your life to him today. You can be saved today. Christian, would you say, God, I want to be a, I want to be a giver, not just a taker. I want to see ministry as something I'm a part of, not just something someone else does. Lord, help me to use my treasure. Help me to use my talents. Help me to use my time, my spiritual gifts for your glory. And help me to do this freely and joyfully and generously for your glory. Father, thank you for your word, for the truth and power it teaches us, for the hope it gives to us, for loving us so dearly. Thank you for giving your son for us. Help us to give out of our love for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.